to episode three of Spoilers Only Please. I'm Tyler Chavez. I'm Riley Bradford. And I'm Tate Becker. And uh, firstly, we, we know it's been a while. I don't know if you guys were aware of this. I didn't know this, but um, you get busy in college. <laughs> and sometimes you get busy for like two, three weeks. And you for, you are not able to find time to record a podcast for a few weeks. But we're back. We're back. We've got uh, this week we're going to be talking about Annihilation. And then next week, we're going to hit uh, Love, Simon. So we've got a good schedule going, and um, so we're back, officially. Back, better than ever, a.k.a. Sure. our first time. Yeah, so um, let's go ahead and jump into let's Annihilation. Into uh, what did you guys think? I thoroughly enjoyed Annihilation. I didn't really know what to expect. I kind of went in with no expectations. Um, trailers just kind of showed that it was going to be a weird movie, uh, and it was weird, but it was so enjoyably... It was... It, like, I don't think it was as weird as I thought, but it was still weird, and I really, really liked it. It kind of made you think, kind of made you cringe at a certain in, in a slicing parts, but I really enjoyed this movie. I did, too. I, I saw it a while back, so some of, uh, some of the details might be fading for me, but yeah, like, the acting in this movie was really, really good, um... Like, especially Natalie Portman carried the movie pretty well. I mean, although the rest of the cast did very well, too. But I think it was really cool that it was, like... So, basically, the premise of this is there's, like, this big force field alien kind of thing that's yeah. constantly expanding and creating new life. But it's every time they light. send... Yeah, it's, like, mutating, changing the genetic makeup of things. And every time they send, like, a team... or like a, They usually send, like, a military team... And to find out what's going on, uh, no, nothing ever comes back out. So they send in scientists, and they're all women this time, um, to find out what's going on. And the Natalie Portman is um, is a doctor who is... No, she's in the military, right? She and was yes. in the military. And she, she uh, her husband, who's played by Oscar Isaac, goes in before her, and then she kind of picks up on what happened to him while he was in there. Because he comes out, and he's like super weird something mm -hmm. yeah no i had high expectations given it's natalie portman oscar isaacs two very strong actors and i thought the acting in it was very well done i thought the plot was original well done i, I can't say it's one of my favorites of the year but i definitely enjoyed the movie especially for a thriller i find yeah that i usually prefer horror or a different genre but for a cycle or for a sci-fi thriller i thought it was very good yeah, and uh, so this movie was directed by Alex Garland, who's probably best known for Ex Machina, which came out a few years ago. And that makes that makes a lot of sense, mm -hmm. looking the at this movie. The movies are similar, because they're kind of based in modern times. They're both sci-fi movies. Uh, Ex Machina was the one with Oscar Isaac, actually, that was about uh, the AI. Like It was like an experiment on if AI could like fall in love, or if they just used falling in love as a trick to escape from their situation and uh that movie had a really good twist at the end 
this one did too. And it just kind of made sense. And although, so Alex Garland wrote Ex Machina, directed it too. He also wrote and directed Annihilation. But Annihilation is based off a book which, which I, none of us have yeah, read. None of us have none read it, so I don't know. I'd, I'd how never it heard of the book before. It must have been a more of a recent one. I heard a lot of reactions, uh, who, of people who had read the book and seen the movie said the the movie's different in some worse ways than the book. Okay. But I, from just the movie perspective, I think it was really, really strong. Mm-hmm. I found some interesting things in looking up Alex Garland on IMDb just about his perspective as a writer that I think probably influenced his adaptation. There's a great quote. He says, just a great quote and seeing what he's going at. I think everything I write is from an atheist perspective. I mean, it's partly from an atheist perspective because I'm an atheist and I'm not, I'm just not really interested in religious-based questions. So I think you do see sort of that sense of like, you know, skepticism, cynicism, You see this because this, um, uh, this, force field, magnetic, whatever it is, uh, no one knows where it came from, and they never figure out where it mm-hmm. actually comes from. Like, mm-hmm. it, we're not sure if it's alien, if it's another dimensional being. Well, you know it was, it was from an asteroid um, yeah. that hit the lighthouse, which is, like, where they're headed, because they know that was the yeah. origin of the, of the event, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's interesting that his perspective from a writer ends up not being focused well it does explain the why it's not focused on the why but it's saying what happens when yeah which is a big thing of he doesn't need an explanation for he wants to explore what does it mean because essentially like nothing gets solved about the force field like they end up just you know whoever survives it leaves and they don't actually figure out how to stop it where it comes from and this thing has been spreading so by the end of the movie it just continues to spread it's less about the force field itself and more about you know, how it affects the people and how they try to survive in it, which I think is way more interesting from a narrative perspective. Mm -hmm. I think that makes sense because, Tate, you mentioned that they had sent military teams in before and no military team had succeeded. I think that's interesting because, you know, a a, a worse movie, a not-as-good movie, would have just focused on how to get rid of it um, instead of how to explain and understand it, um, which is what this team attempted to do. Yeah. And sort of achieved in some spots. They figure out that like it's really altering the genetic material of life in there. There's some beautiful sequences with like those like deer. Those are deer really things. nice. Mm-hmm. Like branches growing off their heads. Um, and while by the way, while this isn't a horror movie, it kind of feels like one at parts. It's intense moments. Um, there's there's some genuinely scary moments. Like this was probably like I'm I'm not a big horror movie guy. I'm kind of getting more into it like this past year, but. Uh, I haven't, I didn't grow up watching horror movies, but this was actually, so like, I I feel like, by the way, I wasn't scared of horror movies as a kid, so when I watch them now, like when I went to see It, and uh, I recently saw A Quiet Place, those were scary, like I could see why people scream and stuff, but I'm not very scared of these, but this movie kind of like gave me chills, and I think that's, that, that is ingrained in the plot, where it doesn't tell you anything, and you know, it doesn't say it on the internet or anything, like in its genre, but I would kind of throw this in with the mystery category too, mm. even though the mystery, like the mystery, reveals itself. It's one of these movies that where the plot reveals itself as it goes. It doesn't give you like, here's the basis of this movie. Boom! It just says like, there's this thing, 
and they're going to go find out what it is. And I think that was really smart. Yeah, they try to figure out not only the force field, but what's happened to the uh, previous team that went on before, which was Oscar Isaac's team. Uh, it was horrifying. It was. Yeah. It's a scene where they have kind of like gone mad, and they take one of their partners and just like cut his stomach open, and it's just like I physically could not watch it. I had to turn away yeah. because it was so gross. They found out that like his intestines were moving, like like snakes yeah and it was the it, it actually was that because his genetic makeup had changed and like i don't know why that was super weird but i thought like they were saying it was like a trick of the camera or something but that's just i don't i didn't I, they didn't explain it but it was still terrifying and um the i think the scariest part was that bear though oh the i bear loved thing, the bear where there was a part where this so the animals that lived in the force field had been genetically recreated too and this bear um had killed one of their had broken into their like where they camp. were staying their camp and taken one of the four women and killed her and then natalie portman found her and later they were staying at their camp again and the bear came through and it was recreating the screams of the oh, of the woman God. from before because it i don't know it was like a it was yeah like a, makeup like a parrot. It was recreating and and that thing, oh, that was, it was terrifying. Because it got right up in their faces and it was just screaming at them because it had no eyes, so it couldn't yeah, see. Yeah, like it was like a skull face. And that was just, that, that was just creepy. And so just like nightmarish, just this monster mimicking your dead friend's dying words. I just, oh, it was so good. And uh, it gets, it gets pretty graphic. That bear bites into uh, mm -hmm. one of their shoulders and just like tears out chunks of her face. And it's just like, it, it's not a movie for those that are easily squeamish, mm -hmm. I'd say. Very rated R. Very rated Very R. Rated R. <laughs> Which um, it was. It was a rated R movie. And that ending, I feel like, is worthy of discussion. The ending? We oh, are yes. a spoilers podcast. Yeah, spoilers so that's We're supposed end. to be. Spoiler. I mean, I thought, I loved the movie, but I thought the ending was... It just felt similar to a lot of sci-fi thriller movies where it's just like, oh, look, the the monster, the other the thing is secretly the protagonist, or not secretly the protagonist, mm -hmm. but you have that fake out where you're just like, oh, they've defeated the villain, and then it's like, no, the villain mutation of the hero is actually the hero. Yeah. So, I mean, a little bit before that, though, there was the... So, so basically, little context... The meteorite had originated, it hit this, like, lighthouse, and that was the center, the epicenter of the expansion of the, of the force field. Thing. Yeah. And Natalie Portman was the only person who got there, and she found, like, a video camera of her husband, who had been there, too, and he, like, blew himself up mm -hmm. or something, and then this, and then he also walked back into frame, like, from another, and, and so I didn't really understand what was going on there, because there was this whole sequence with her... Uh, this, the, the alien force, I guess, created a copy of her and was, like, mimicking her. Yeah, and it, like, fights with mm -hmm. her. So I think that's what happened with her husband is mm -hmm. he had been recreated by the force field and that's who came out. Yeah, because when Oscar Isaac's character first comes back, you can tell he's, like, not the same. But you originally attribute that to, like, just PTSD or mm -hmm. just, like, he's seen some messed up stuff before. But now... After Natalie Portman returns, this is when she kind of learns that, like, this is probably not actually my husband. Because there's just, like, they have this conversation of just, like, who are we? What are you? 
and it's just like it's very unsettling um because this thing looks talks and acts just like oscar isaac's character probably has his memories too but it isn't mm -hmm. but it is and it's very mm -hmm. like you know what is and what isn't real yeah and those haunting i thought while i did think the ending was a little um formulaic i did feel like the way they delivered it dialogue wise was very strong in that what, what's the line she says she's just like are you my are you my it's husband and he goes i don't think so and then yeah they a hug and then you see the glimmer in their eyes showing they're both not mm -hmm. um their true selves yeah the color the colors of this movie are kind of thematic i think yeah there's um all the all the stuff that's changed is very vibrant and it's like new life and i i, I guess that's a metaphor for something mm -hmm. i'm not quite sure what but <laughs> if you even look at the poster it's got this like glimmer aspect to it and that's kind of what you see at the end in their eyes like showing that natalie portman even though she came out alive is very 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 much changed and, the, and throughout the movie you notice subtle changes i don't know if you guys noticed this but there's the one part where the guy had been cut open yeah he had a tattoo on his arm and when they found him later he had been like grown in half by like trees yeah it's it was, oddly, it was very weird but it's he, oddly he, beautiful he had this tattoo on his arm and natalie portman when she was like you know, trying yeah. to get a sample of it had like some dust flow up in her, like in her face, some like pollen, I guess, from the plants. Mm -hmm. And throughout the movie, she her the tattoo from that guy slowly faded onto her arm, and it was very smart, yeah. I think, because it was like, well, it's like a DNA exchange. I don't know. It was mm -hmm. and you have very odd, perchance an unintended metaphor, but sort of a carrying with her, her like the deaths that are happening. She's like she having that mark, having her. The dead comrades mark does like have that sense to it where like she's still learning and she's still growing mm -hmm. and she's carrying this burden now as she sees those with her die yeah and i think another strong part of this movie was the interactions in between the team of women um so there was dr ventress who is the leader basically played by jennifer jason lee and her character had her whole like her whole reason to go into it even yeah. though she probably wouldn't come out is that she was like diagnosed with terminal cancer or something so she was knew she's gonna die anyway and wanted to find out what she had been sending people into these past few months and then there was tessa thompson who i really like by the way mm -hmm. she was in thor ragnarok she played valkyrie it's a very different role than valkyrie well yeah i know i yeah. know she's just i i just thought it was interesting because i didn't know she was in the movie and i was like oh that's her and i she's in that um Really interesting looking movie, Sorry to Bother You, that's coming out. Yeah, that looks yeah really I'm excited good. for that. It looks that. really cool. Um, so, Tessa's character is very interesting because uh, basically all the women, basically this is like a suicide mission. Like all these mm -hmm. women, it's revealed, like have nothing to go back to. Mm -hmm. um, and it's revealed that Tessa's character has dealt with self-harm in the past. Um, mm -hmm. And what's interesting is that as the movie progresses towards the end, she has this conversation with Natalie Portman's character where she's saying, like, you know, some of you want to embrace this this field that we're in. Some of you want to reject it. And she chooses neither. And she turns into flowers. Yeah. Well, it was cool because, like, she yeah, had the marks it started on her, on her from scars. The farm, and then her, um, the, it was, like, branches, like, growing out of yeah. her skin. But that was happening throughout the movie, and no one pointed it out. Yeah. And and, and there's the uh, Gina Rodriguez's character was like freaking out 
she was already aggressive, but she got way more aggressive throughout the... She was basically the reason she got killed by that bear thing, but she was like, my skin's moving and stuff. And she, she was like, like, see her fingerprints yeah. move. Mm-hmm. And, um, and um, so I don't remember her reason to go in, but I know Natalie Portman, you know, she wanted, the reason she wanted to go was to find out what happened to her husband and why he came back so weird. But I don't know if you remember this, she didn't tell any of the other women that her husband was involved right. in the operation. Mm-hmm. And even though uh, Jennifer Jason Lee's character knew she didn't say anything, she knew that the other team would think differently of her. Yeah. But she was like the military support. And she was like, you guys are going to need help, so take me with you. And that showed that one crocodile part. Oh, um, there's this giant crocodile that takes one of the women and just like thrashes them around. Yeah, and she doesn't get tries hurt. Tries to get but, them. But then Natalie Portman takes it out and they're like looking at it. And that's the first sign of the genetic editing stuff where they open it up and it's got rows of teeth like a shark. Yeah. And because alligators just have, or maybe it's a crocodile just they usually just have one row of teeth but had teeth like a shark and that was super creepy i think (laughs) the first sign that like something was off is um when they first go into the field and then it just cuts to like three days later and they're all like wait like how long have we been walking like the first i love that also from a narrative perspective because it just gets rid of a lot of what could have just been filler um i don't know if the book did the same thing because obviously with a book you can go for a lot longer Mm -hmm. but that was a super interesting choice. The fact that they just jumped and they played it with, well, this this field is affecting like how time moves and how the we're movie, perceiving yeah. it. The movie makes you feel confused, basically as confused as the characters, but then towards the end it kind of helps you make sense of that confusion, which is very intentional, clearly. And I just I think this guy, like Alex Garland, uh, the writer, just really had that in mind. I mean, if you watch Ex Machina, it's like very similar plot it's based in in one place it feels very um constrictive for the characters and you're stressed out the whole movie and that's exactly how it is with annihilation you just feel very stressed for the characters yeah you know they're they're constantly in danger not from like a very visible threat but more of a mental threat and i think yeah. that's that's kind of for me it's kind of thing for me like, oh for sure i think what's interesting is that this field isn't you know, it's amb- it's not evil. It's not good. It just exists. Things happen in it. Um, you know, it creates beautiful deer with branches and flowers as antlers, and then it creates horrific <laughs> skull bears that eat you in the middle of the night. And you know, as the movie ends, they don't really know what to do about this thing because it it's not clear what if it's good, if it's evil. a threat, if it's yeah. just an other that they have to contend with. Yeah, the thing, like the, you know, where does it come from? Is Does it come from this alien material? Um, it just, it's very interesting, I think, that the fact that they just don't solve and settle what happens. Mm-hmm. And I'm never quite sure what Garland is really trying to say with the film because of that. I think you definitely have, once again, drawing from his atheist perspective and not to decide what an atheist perspective is or not, you definitely have less of a him wanting to make a moral statement, him wanting simply to examine beauty, but also just the ability of art to capture something like that. So you see this great si- um, the great visual effects he's using. You have new creation versus old creation. Why do humans have a stake? What did this alien do? And that's why I think the ending is so great, is because you see the two characters are now replaced by their their doppelganger. Thing, doppelgangers, thing. clones? Well, because Natalie Portman's still the same person. 
but she's just been so changed that she like yeah. accepts her alien husband. No, I thing. I, I saw you see the same eye effect in her as you did him. I thought that was a sign that both of them were their clone versions. I didn't think Natalie Portman was her clone because she never the she never let the alien guy become fully like a yeah. copy. She like remember because it was mimicking her, so she had it like pick up a grenade and then pull the pin and like kill itself. That's true. And yeah, she walked out of there, but. And that's what also they did bring down the force field. Spoiler, um, and so they ended the problem, but they still came out of it changed. And since you know Natalie Portman was really the only human to come out of it to understand what was going on, mm-hmm. she didn't tell anybody, so they didn't know about the genetic change. And you like, have, I I forgot about this throughout the movie. It changes in between. The interview with uh, Benedict Wong's character. He yeah. was in Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. Played Love Wong that. in yeah, Doctor Strange. Yeah, I saw um, funny. But uh, he was interviewing her about what happened in in the force field and like what she thought happened to her husband, what she found out about them, and then what happened to the other members who did not return. You did. You don't even find out what happened to Jennifer Jason Lee's character. She mm-hmm. just kind of goes off by herself. Yeah, he was presumed dead or transformed. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, but she, did, you know, no, they don't understand what was happening because they weren't in there. Yeah. So you sort of get a viewpoint there of like, even the director saying like, just like Natalie Portman says about her husband, doesn't matter what happens to these characters. This is just the story of what happened. Yeah. And that's why you have this t- this team, just like the others, except a little different with a little more backstory to them. It's just showing you a vignette of it as opposed to saying this is a tale of something that affected everything and changed everything. Yeah. Because, like I touched on earlier, it could have very easily been about just, like, a military team going in and, like, gunfighting, and they, like, none of them make it out, or only one of them make it out. And so, mm-hmm. it, like, that's a good example of just it being a vignette. And it kind of reminds me of that old, like, philosophical, philosophical problem. If you have a wooden ship and change all of its parts over time, mm-hmm. is it still the same ship? Ooh, if Natalie Portman's yeah. character's genetics have been changed so drastically by the time she gets out is she still the same person if you have an exact clone of her husband that has his memories and has his mannerisms and everything is that just the same person yeah and, and the ending's interesting because it's just like this in x mark you know i can't i just there's a lot of parallels there yeah uh at the end of this movie they, they just like it's like are you my husband and they just hug and you see them, <laughs> oh, their yeah. eyes and then it just ends it's a it's a cliffhanger basically like what are they going to do for the rest of their lives? You don't really know where it's going from there. Mm-hmm. You just kind of like sit there, the credits roll, and you're like, okay. And then you walk okay, out yeah. and think about what you just witnessed for an hour and 55 Think about, minutes. am I the same person? <laughs> um, Ex Machina, spoilers podcast, it, at the end, basically, the, 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 char- the main character feels like he's fallen in love with the robot the whole time. Oh, and nice. She kills Oscar Isaac. And then looks back and he's locked in this room because it's a very secure building and he doesn't have a key card to get out and the glass is all like hit proof, bulletproof. So he literally can't get out of the room and she just leaves and goes to the real world and she just walks into the real world. He's trapped in that room until he dies and, or yeah. starves to death. That'd be a so slow creepy. death. It's so slow creepy. Right and there. But it doesn't show any of that. It's just like, yeah. it shows she puts like a wig on to cover up the robotic parts and just walks out into the world and you're like, because again, right. it, it's not about what happens after. It's about yeah. what's happening yeah. in this. And I, I really like stories like that. That happens a lot with uh, plays and theater. It's not mm-hmm. about what happens after. It's just 
us yeah. look into this one yeah, moment. Yeah, it's giving you a window into a hypothetical reality. It's not trying to capture all of it because yeah. he's not bold enough to say he could capture all the situations that yeah. occur. And I think an, an important thing to hit on is like this. We talked about this with uh, Game Night in our last episode, like the state of the comedy genre. I think it's important to talk about the state of the sci-fi genre because at its core, this is a sci-fi movie, and I just I think that it's interesting to see that there's this new. I I didn't see Arrival. I never saw that movie. But oh, I think that Arrival was, was awesome. That, you know, it was like nominated for Oscars and yeah. stuff. I've been planning on watching it, but based off the trailers, I was like, I, I felt like this movie was kind of the sim similar. I don't yeah, know if that's true. it's got a similar tone in terms of its approach to. Um, how do we handle uh, a foreign entity, uh, one that we try to understand. And I think Arrival definitely took more of the approach of like, well, this is what the military does. This is what the like religious people do. This is what like the governments do and, and everything. The violation was more about like, humans and shit. Yeah. Um, one thing that I think is very important to touch on for a sci-fi movie is that it's an all-female team that goes in. Yeah. Because sci-fi mm -hmm. is a very male-heavy genre in terms of its protagonist and uh, the ideal sci-fi world. Um, that, that's a big deal. It's a big deal. Yeah, I thought it was, that was important. And I think when we, we talked about like their individual roles, they all had their own problems going on and they didn't originate around yeah. like the... I mean, besides Natalie Portman's character, like, worrying about her husband, but they were all, like, very individual characters and had their own things going on. But something about the state of sci-fi that's cool is you, you we've recently seen, like, there's sci-fi movies that have to do about, like, have to do with, like, humanity at its core, and then, like, there's our, you know, campy monster movie stuff. Like, I saw the new Pacific Rim movie. Mm -hmm. Really, still really mad about that because the first one was cool and then the second one was not it was just yeah. like this just cgi mess and you know this one did rely a lot on cgi but it was like subtle cgi and yeah. you just felt like you're like you don't think you don't see this giant thing and you're like oh that's that's a giant cgi monster it's like a little deer jumping through the forest and mm -hmm. i think that's that's really cool to see that that is starting the, there's a the, the genre is diverging yeah and i'm glad that it's this movie did a great job of making the distinction of like, yes, it's a sci-fi movie, but it wasn't going to do what I think a lot of sci-fi movies do that I hate, which is just, look, we can throw a bunch of visual effects in your face, we can say plot only kind of matters, and we can get away with making a bunch of money. This movie rather said, no, plot's going to matter, we're going to show you some very impressive visual things, but at the same time, we're not going to just throw all the CGI we can at this thing. We're going to do it gracefully. We're going to do it elegantly. And I like the word cool because we can say Pacific Room is cool. Annihilation is good. Yeah, Annihilation, Annihilation makes it did think. a good job being a movie. Pacific Rim did a good job keeping me entertained for two yeah. hours and showing me some cool visual effects. But I wouldn't go and make a podcast about it. It's, yeah. uh, I think it's very interesting because in a lot of ways it's almost returning to the... Um, to the roots of sci-fi as a genre, because if you look at uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and such, the not is that Mary Shelley? Yeah, it's Mary yeah. Shelley. Yeah. The yeah. roots of those stories is talking about humanity and what makes a person a person. And Annihilation and Arrival both kind of touch on subjects like that. So I think we're kind of seeing a return to form of what sci-fi is and what yeah. it is for um, to be human. Because I think mm -hmm. ever since. 
I think ever since Star Wars came out, we have been kind of set in a few decades of just sci-fi being space and aliens and big set pieces and CGI. And that's fine. Like, I love still having those movies, but I like seeing a return to form yeah. for the genre. They weren't always smart. Like, like Ridley Scott's Alien is smart. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. But the, then you see, even with that franchise, although Aliens, the sequel, is a pretty good movie... It's it turned into an action franchise. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and not until recently, with like Prometheus, yeah. it returned to what it wants to be, mm-hmm. kind of. Which the, you see, the, yeah. I think, echoes of uh, in Annihilation of Ridley Scott for sure. Like that was one reminder I had, even mm-hmm. though it was definitely new. It still had some. The, it reminded me a little bit of, and like this isn't definitive Ridley Scott, but it reminded me of Alien Covenant in some ways in the color schemes. Mm-hmm. In sort of just the tone of the film, and those those new alien related movies are kind of going back to the smart. Like I think mm-hmm. with Prometheus, which is an alien movie, if you watch it up till the end, you realize that. And then with Alien Covenant, which I really enjoyed, I thought it was a really I, smart yeah, movie. I really enjoyed um, but it still played on the kind of horror aspect, and I think one franchise that's kind of you know dying out. In, into the CGI realm is the Jurassic Park franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, started out as, like, you know, considerably one of Steven Spielberg's best movies, and it's adapted from Michael Crichton's book, which I've read, which is really, really good. I read it, yeah. And you, you read it, and you're like, wow, they could make dinosaurs. Like, because Michael Crichton was a doctor, and he knew what he was talking about, or at least made it seem that way. He was smart enough to yeah. make people believe yeah. that, but... The, the movie, uh, the original one, is, is like a really good movie. And you're like, wow, like this. You know, it's just really smart. And then... And it's visually, it's so impressive. It was, you know, yeah. first of its kind in and, so many ways. And then The Lost World was was also directed by Steven Spielberg. And also was a book by Michael Crichton. And while that movie has, like, heavy flaws, I still enjoy it. But and then Jurassic Park 3, I don't know where they came up with the idea. There's no book for it. There's Steven Spielberg was like a producer, but... It's like Jaws. Yeah. There's only, I think, like, two two books for Jaws, and, you there's know... There's just one. Oh, there's just one. Yeah, they and made then a I, novelization of the rest of them. But. Yeah, and then the rest of the Jaws films are just not yeah, good. It just, it, but, like, since Jurassic Park was, like, a really good sci-fi movie, because it was very science-y and stuff, the new one... I mean, Jurassic World, I enjoyed it. Yeah. It was nostalgic, but it was, like, it was just, like... We created this new yeah. dinosaur. It was just it was nostalgic, like, and look what we can do now that we couldn't do then. It wasn't here's yeah. a clock. Like, here's here's a all story. this giant CGI and Chris Pratt with enjoy. pet velociraptors. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of people do enjoy Chris Pratt with pet velociraptors. Yeah. I think there's always. I'm always skeptical of a movie that you know they could go in a pitch room, tell you like what the movie's gonna be, and the producers are instantly like, yes. I think those are the movies that sort of exist to make money. Those are the movies that exist certainly for a good time, but not. To say anything, Annihilation, I feel like, took some selling. I feel like quality movies yeah. take selling mm-hmm. and take convincing producers, hey, this is a story that hasn't been told before. Yeah, I mean, Annihilation was certainly a story that has not been told before. Um, so, like, what would you guys kind of, like, slap on this, like, out of ten? Like, what, what did you think overall? Out of ten? Seven and a half? Eight? I was going to say six, but I'm hard to please. I'm glad I gave, we have an I audio recording eight. of me saying I'm hard to please. With, with a rewatch, it'd probably be a seven for me. But I, my initial reaction was an eight. I really, like the, I had no expectations going in, and it really blew me away when I saw it. There, so. there's another small detail that's interesting about this movie. So this movie was released theatrically in the U.S., 
but in places where it did not get a theatrical release, it was released on Netflix. Uh, yeah, you told me about that. Yeah, I, I think that, yeah. that's, uh, you know, there's a lot happening right now with Netflix and its legitimacy in the film industry. Oh, and for sure. I think it's going to be another little small footnote in, you know, alternatives to theatrical releases. If you can't get it wide release in another country, you could get it released on Netflix. Well, I wonder even, and this is the, the definition of a tangent, but I do wonder if it's an alternative to theatrical releases or if it's the new theatrical release. I yeah, think you're because going to this had towards it. This had both. I don't know if the theater model stays, you know, intact for the next in the next 50 years. By the yeah. time we're 60 and hopefully still doing a podcast in the basement of our comm school in college. <laughs> Never move on from college. <laughs> yeah. peaked, peaked in college and just stayed in college. <laughs> so um, that has been our podcast episode on annihilation. Hope you guys enjoyed it, and we will be back with you next week with Love Simon. Love so Simon. this is which had uh, the guy from Jurassic World. What was his name? I don't remember. Uh, oh, the yeah. kid. Yeah, I remember. I know you're talking. Yeah, about. I know what you're talking. About. Anyways, the, <laughs> this has been Tate Beckerer, Riley Bradford, and Tyler Chavez with spoilers only, please, and we'll see you guys next week. They are three together, they are four.